So if they don't rescue the twins, all of the lands will actually be destroyed and rot, just like in Simi's vision. novels and bits listener thank you so much for joining me on this episode i am so glad to have you here so last time we were talking about skin of the sea this mummy water story and then we're about to enter the journey you know we already kind of started with how this mummy water girl was not supposed to save human lives just collect souls but she accidentally saved a human boy and as a result she has to apologize to Lodumari. So Emoja has already given her instructions on how to do that. So her and the human boy are about to set off on this mission. Right? So let's go. So Kola manned the boats that Emoja gave them and then they set off. On the boats, the duo got to talk and Kola apologized for not showing Simi the best of him. You know, he was initially making demands of her like, okay, um, that call Emoja, do this, take me back to my village, I need to go home. He just now calmly said, I just really need to get home because of my brother and sister. They're special and they need my protection. It was actually trying to secure their protection that got him captured in the first place. So when Simi toyed with the dagger that Emoja gave her, Kola asked, can you even use this dagger you're holding? So in trying to show him that she could, another flash of her human memories hit her. Her father had been the one to teach her how to use a dagger. He taught her how to fight. So coming out of that memory, they just saw this Uibu ship coming towards them. Fortunately, the ship had no Uibu person and the crew was in fact African people from Ondo, Alada and Songhai Empire who stole the ship and they sailed the seas with the intention of freeing slaves captured on ships like this. So they had already attacked four ships by the time that Simi and Kola met them. The whole encounter just caused more memories to come back to Simi. And she remembered how she was stolen from her village and the raw fear she endured on an Oibo ship. So the captain of the ship was Abayumi and he was a huge kind man that reminded Simi of her father. So Kola told him of the ship he was on and Abayumi promised to locate it so that they can take it down and rescue people from it. Simi was glad that more people would be saved. And then the aura of the ship was calm, unlike the terror of the Oibo ship that Simi could remember. So the fact that the aura of the ship was calm, there was just, you know, black people, Yorubas and all that, the whole thing just kind of gave Simi this sense of, oh, home. So Abayomi offered Kola and Simi food after hearing Kola's concocted story because they could not... So obviously now they could not actually tell them that Simi is a mummy who rescued him. He just said eh, that Simi was fishing when he was thrown overboard. She found him and helped him and all of that. So Abayomi now offered them supplies to continue on their journey, even though he didn't fully buy their story. But at least he saw Kola's wounds. He knows those are not fake. So afterwards, the duo, they were just intent on going their way, like continuing on their journey to Kola's village. But then the sea around the ship suddenly got attacked by angry, angry thunder, like lightning and thunder were just flashing into the water, like, at you know, kind of shaking the ship. So looking up to the sky, Simi saw Sango, god of thunder, and he was the one attacking the ship. But why? So Sango wasn't alone. He was with his wife, Oya. Oya had the ability to draw the energy of the wind and sky to her, so she was like kind of the pressure on the ship as though she would shatter it. Then the Orishas were attacking the ship and the people in it with their powers. So how they actually got out of this one, the people were saved is that one of the women on the ship now prayed to Oya. Oya now calmed her husband down. They both descended down to the ship and demanded to know what was going on because they're like, ah, it's not white people that are supposed to be here. Now I said, so, and then it was, Oya asked me to talk. It's me was like, oh, no, 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 that is no longer... The white people who manned the ship is um, 
this Mr. Bayomi and his crew. So Sango and Oya, the reason they even got involved with attacking ships, because remember, they're not supposed to do this. Orishas are not supposed to directly intervene in human feet. But just that these two, they, their husband and wife, Sango and Oya, they could no longer sit back and watch and let the prayers of those who prayed to them go unanswered. That's why they started destroying any ships they came across that carried the enslaved. They were not afraid of Esu informing Olodumari of their interference because it was in his interest to have the Orisha couple on his side. So that kind of thing. Now, they played that game with Esu. Like, okay, we know you need us, so we need you. If you can cover for us, we'll cover for you. But because Esu definitely, everybody's after their own interests. Yeah? If their interests happen to align with yours as humans, lucky you. If they don't, sorry. <laughs> Do you get? They're just Orishas. They're really powerful beings. So Simi was worried when Oya noticed her necklace. Like, okay. Like, you saw the sapphire of a necklace and I was like, you have Oya yeah, of oh, Yemoja. So Yisimi was like, ah, that she forgot to hide it. Huh? What's she going to do now? So Oya informed Simi because Sango was distracted. He was talking with Abayumi and then he had not looked at Simi. So Oya was like uh, that Esu actually made us pledge allegiance to him in exchange that he would turn a blind eye to their involvement in helping enslaved people. Part of that allegiance was to inform Esu of what Imoja knew that she refused to tell him. You know, Imoja knew about the rings now. So Oya learned of Simi's mission that Osumi is doing this thing to save her own race from getting extinct. But Oya hid it from her husband. She just wants Simi to be worried because she was seeking the same rings as Esu. Then next thing, Abayumi sent Kola off and Simi with the supplies because Sango them said they will now join the ship to capture more ships. So the people there rejoice. Ah, having a Risha on your boots. Ah, your morale is raised, that kind of thing. So Oya hurried Simi along because she felt Esu's, Esu's presence was close. Esu's was close. You know, Orishas can sense when um, other Orishas like them are close by. So it was either Sango who summoned Esu or the prayers of those on the ship. In either case, he might have seen Simi in the prayers because when they pray to you, you get the overview and all of that. So like when they pray to an Orisha, not to you right now. But. So in either case, he might have seen Simi, so she needed to live at once. So Kola and Simi set out at once. They were able to lose sight of the ship and breathed a little because the wind that Oya had generated helped carry their boats far away from the ship fast, fast. So Simi now started asking Kola, how did you come to be on the ship that they threw overboard from? He explained that when the people of Tapa waged war against their people because they refused the treat, that... To prove himself to his father, Kola took some guards with him to go and broker a peace treaty because he wanted to save many lives. He didn't want them to enter that war. Instead, what happened was that the Tapa people killed the, some of the guards that came with him, sold others, and him too was part of those that were sold, and he was eventually bought by the Yibo. So part of the reason that Koda was rushing back was to make sure that the Tapa hadn't used him as leverage to make demands of his father. Because in as much as they've, they've sold him and he could have already been dead, they could have still told his father, eh, do this or that one, and we'll give you your son. And since the man does not know if his, his son is dead or alive, he could actually be, they could, they could be pressing him like remote control. That kind of thing. So Kola also mentioned that he saw Simi's face on deck when he first boarded the ship. Like, I saw you when I first got on that ship. I, like, I saw you when you were human. And So what happened? Did you get? All Simi remembered was when Yemoja created her as a seventh and last of the girls in her image and assigned to her purpose. She explained this to Kola, including how she hadn't listened like the other girls. So Kola didn't agree with her evaluation of herself because in this story, we are going to find out that Simi was just so damn hard on herself. Like, she's just like, oh, if only I had listened, if only. Like, she had so much regrets. 
she was the one so Kola was like don't 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 see don't 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 judge yourself that way that she was the one who found someone alive she was the one who saved them and now she was doing even more she felt herself warming up to Kola and froze once she remembered Yumoja's warning not to feel too much for human like Yumoja had literally just warned them like that morning yeah but about don't fall in love with a human and she was like I'm, I'm not going to and now she's just feeling herself starting to feel something for this human boy but so Kola started to tell Simi about his younger siblings the twins and what made them special like he wanted to tell her but then he was cut off when the sea suddenly heaved and the water started to crush their boots suddenly the sea started attacking their boots Simi knew that the sudden storm was also attacking them because he'd learned of her and her mission somehow so Simi could easily dive into the water and escape the storm but that meant abandoning Kola there were several claps of thunder, winds that tore at them, and the air. It felt as if the air was on fire. In summary, Simi had to dive into the sea, and she held Kola up because... And then together, they watched the sea break their boats in pieces, and then showered the remnants down on their heads. Just a sense of humor to show them, I see but nothing. I have this thing in my hands. So, Simi tried to scream when all of this happened. But instead, of, but instead she just found herself waking up to a new day in the sea, like... How did that happen? So she recalled the incidents of the previous night and started looking for Kola. She was panicked as she imagined him hot or even dead. The beach was close by, but Simi couldn't go on land yet because she was so sore from the battering her body took in that storm. And you understand? And in human form, she's already weaker. She had to stay in water to get stronger, to heal faster. But she still swam close to the beach and the tree line. She was now calling for Kola. Occasionally, she'd be like, Are they Kola? Are they Kola? Are you here? Are you here? Then... She eventually found pieces of their boat and a torn part of Kola's ripper. She now thought of how the storm was rough on her, like even had that is mammy water inside water. And she didn't want to imagine what it did to Kola. She swam into a river. You know, she now started swimming into smaller water bodies, keeping an eye out for Kola. It was in this process that she found a red creature, or rather the red creature exposed himself to her. Because if she had gone looking for the red creature, she would not have found it. All these things, they'll show themselves to you when they want. So this creature had silver gray hooves. Like the, you know, normally the hooves we see on TV are black, but this one is silver gray, like then two long pearl scent horns that look like pearls, then a donkey sized body and turquoise eyes. Turquoise so is apparently greenish blue. So it was a creature that storytellers told children about, an abada, that's what it's called. It was said to be a, hab- a habinger. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But having job the loss, which means it simply revealed itself to Simi to bring her to Kola. If you're looking for somebody, maybe a good person and wants to help you, it can appear and lead you to the person you're looking for. So Simi started to follow the Abada. She had to tread carefully around the bushes and the smaller waterway. The Abada neighed from time to time to make sure that Simi was following. It finally brought her to tiny people who were as tall as the large to be of yam. Like they reached um, Simi like in her knee. And Simi is a very tall person. And the height only came out about Simi's knee. So they were beating drums. These tiny people, you know, they were beating drums. They were singing. And, it's, and in the center of that, they are singing was Kola. He was laid out on a bed of dried grass and draped in white clothes. He appeared lifeless. And the shock of it caused Simi to stumble into the garden. Like, is he dead? Are they singing to wave him farewell? So those tiny people were actually fairies. And they are known as Yumbos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Yumbos. They were known to be either Yumbos or the Bakna Rakna or good people. So they are known to live underground in secret hills. They fish and they, then they'll still come from humans. They were not known as threats. They're not bad people. You've really seen their name, good people. And they reveal themselves to only special people they chose to. 
the entire time their bada didn't live semi-side. Obviously, their bada is also friends of the tiny people. So he was around. Then a young Yumbo boy came up to Simi and explained that, don't worry, don't worry, Kola is only sleeping because obviously you could see that Simi was worried. And the boy, he was actually the one who found Kola after the storm in the sea. And then he persuaded his grandfather, oh, let us bring him, let us let us um, nurse him back to health. They said that Kola has eaten and then he, that he's just sleeping. They were singing and dancing for his health. Do you get? So the little boy, after Kola soon woke up and then... The little boy came up to him and introduced himself as Isa. His grandfather's name was Salif. So the young boys fed Kola and Simi. The food was brought in by strange creatures that only their hands and feet were visible. These, these um, strange creatures are known as helpers. There's actually something they call them in Yoruba, but I didn't bother taking it down because I can't pronounce it. So, but shat helpers in English. And these helpers are only conjured up. They are conjured up beans, and they are conjured up by the yumbos when they needed help with difficult tasks. Obviously, they're tiny people. They always need, they will need help often. <laughs> so eating time provided some reprieve for Kola and Simi, you know. And then they now talked about Kola's love for tales of the elders because he knew the right way to honor the yumbos. Because left to Simi, she didn't want to eat what the yumbos were offering, but Kola was like, ah, eat it. It's a way to honor them. Do this one, do that one. So he was like, how do you even know all these things? It's like ah, that he likes the tales of the elders when they talk about it. You know, all these things are folklore and everything. Thing. but now all the, see how it's coming in handy for him so he should pay attention whenever they are saying it the elders are telling these stories and then he will tell it to the twins to help them sleep he never thought many of these stories were real and now look at him meeting sango oya yemoja mami water and yombos are bad <laughs> like do you understand so look at him just living that mystical life that he just thought was stories then yemoja um Simi was like, so what's your favorite story? He was like, my favorite story is Ogun's tale. Ogun is Kola's ancestral Orisha, just as Yemoja is Simi's. So Kola admired Ogun's strength and his weapons. The Orisha was known for his black his blacksmithing skills and his honorable nature. He dealt with justice and oaths, which was why Kola was so particular about keeping his oath to the twins and the rest of his family that he would protect them. I mean, if you if the person you're looking up to and your ancestral Orisha is someone who keeps to his oats and who likes justice. I mean, you're supposed to reflect that too as a person. So that's Kola. So after they ate, Salif reluctantly re- um, released Isa to take them to Kola's village, Oko. That's the name of Kola's village, Oko. And the village was a few hours' walk from that place that they were, that Yombo's dwelling. Before they set out, yeah, something happened. And then the Yombo's froze. Their gazes became unfocused. Their whole bodies quivered and they let out a loud cry. At the same time, Simi had a vision of trees dying, rot and death filling the earth. There were dead crops, dead animals. There was this gate that appeared in the vision and Simi entered through the gate into a village and she saw dead villagers. The sight was just so horrific that she screamed. And when she opened her eyes, it was because she, um, Kula shook her. Before she could tell him about this vision, the Yombos came out of their trance too. And then they explained that something had just happened. Kula suspected that his worst fear had come to pass. The twins, Taiwo and Kende, you know, the twins, his siblings that he's going back to save, they are Ibeji. Ibeji are twin gods who share one soul in two bodies. They are twin gods. They, they were Orishas of glee and mischief and abundance. You know, their presence brought happiness and health to people and life to the lands they dwelt in. So the Babalawo prophesied that the Ibeji was manifested in the twins and it was the Ibeji power that the Yombos, you know, sensed when they came to settle on those grounds. Salif, Isa's grandfather, he felt a severing of the Beji's power from the land. That means something has, hap- has happened to the twins. And Salif also reported that they've heard that 
you know, they, you know, the men have been talking and they've had sightings of Esau on the border of the land. He came in search of something. So hurriedly, Salif presented them with supplies and allowed Isa to guide them through the shortest route to Oko. He asked him to return once he was done with this task. Isa agreed. He just agreed. You see now, you see young children and adventure. They don't agree for him to go. You are young, stay home. But Sha, if he had stayed home, I don't know, since things are already spoiling too. Better to be where there is action. Abi, you can at least say I was part of this action to an extent. Okay, moving on. So Kola promised to look out for Isa as well. So one right thing Salif gave to them was a small amount of the Abada's horns. You know, when I described the Abada, I said it had pearly scent horns. So that horn has the power to cure almost anything. And Abada is to allow the Yombos to harvest part of the his horns, you know, yeah, because at least it grows back and all of that. And, you know, when they harvest it, they'll crush it as powder and then they'll mix it with when it's mixed with water and it's drunk or it's used as poultice for wound, it will heal your wound the way vampire used to heal. Like everything will go. There'll be no scar that there'll be no sign that you actually had injuries there. So on their way, they encountered scared, like as they were walking through the forest now, you know, trying to get to Oko. On their way they encountered scared fleeing an elephants who were running from the direction they needed to head into. Wow, the terror. Imagine you are heading somewhere and you and elephants that are scared, are coming from the direction you're supposed to go to. They just got, <laughs> carried courage in their hearts and continued. And also, walking wasn't easy for Simi. You know, mammies are not built to use legs. She's a reborn person. She's meant to be in the scene, not using legs. She only used legs briefly whenever she's doing those offerings of souls. But just walking for a long time, it feels as if she's walking on needles, as, as if her, her soul's on fire. Like, it's so painful for her. And she's almost limping. So she had to sl- slow down her steps. But soon she felt the presence of a water body. Like she obviously she's mommy water now. So when water is close by, she can feel it. So she was relieved because once she's close to water and can soak her feet in it for a while, she'll be fine. She was worried before drawing close to the water because she didn't know where the elephants were running from. I don't know if what they're running from is in the water. Let me be careful. But there was only mud and the smell of rot, something rotten. So while Isa and Kola took the bridge to cross to the, you know, um, to cross the water now. Simi just soaked in the water. Mami water. So a part of the bridge wasn't good and Sola fell into the river. Simi laughed at him and playfully asked, should I come and help you? He said he's fine. Isaho was already on the other side of the bridge. He felt responsible for Kola's accident because he, he didn't know that that would that part of the bridge had already rotted. So he was now apologizing, apologizing. Kola was like, don't worry. Like, I'm fine. Then he now started swimming to the bank. But then Simi noticed ripples upst- upstream and then the smell of rot kept increasing. Next, Kola was snatched underwater. Something snatched Kola beneath the water. And then the creature emerged and it was a mixture of something serpentine and equine. It had Kola's side clamped in its mouth. The creature had three horns and yellow eyes. It was The creature was known as Devil, Drang- Dre- Devil Dragon or Nik- Ninkinanka. So, you know, like, oh my God, <laughs> so scary. I feel like every single time, these guys make a step. They encounter something. They turn this right. They turn this way. They encounter something. I was just so scared for them. I was like, what the hell? How are you going to get out of this? Something serpentine and equine, like horse and snake together. And it's big and it has disgusting teeth. And it's it's smelling of rot. So Issa informed Simi that. So Simi was like, what's the weakness, Issa? Tell me. So 
Issa was like, that the Nikinaka, it does not eat its victims alive. It drowns them first. That like, you have to prevent the Nikinaka from drowning them, Kola. And truth is, was the Nikinaka went submerged in the waters and, and t- Kola was now trashing around. Bubbles soon started leaving his mouth. So Simi was desperate. She now used the emerald dagger that Yomoja gave her. She attacked the beast. She rescued Kola from the clutches of the um, Nikinaka, but they were still under attack. Desperately, uh, because Nikinaka was still trying to attack her and, you know, Kola now. She just put Kola behind her. So desperately, she was like, what the hell am I going to do right now? She now remembered how she used to command sharks in the sea. She now said, okay, I just have to try. She now commanded Nikinanka to stop. Like, don't attack, stay. It obeyed, it had no choice to. Like, it's obvious that this thing doesn't want to obey her, but it had no choice because it was just glaring at her. So Simi just pushed Kola safely to the surface so that he can be out of danger. And she now, she now started questioning the Nikinanka. Like, why are you attacking us? Nikinanka just said, we are hungry, we have to. Things are changing. The balance of the world is gone. Everything would rot, and but we still have to eat. So, so Simi just, after that encounter now, after she forced the Nikinanka to retreat, she came out of the water. She now changed to human. She was frustrated. She was like, ah, because now the whole changing and changing back now seemed inconvenient to her. So Simi now scolded Isa for not warning them. That, Why didn't you tell us that this is dangerous? Da, 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 da. So Isa was like, that, that the Nikinanka, they're not, they're not normally in, this, in these waters at this time of the month. They're normally upwards. So Simi was just annoyed with herself. She felt guilty that she hadn't sensed that the Nikinanka was close by she also latched out at Kola too saying you need to be more careful you may not make it home although she regretted saying this thing before she apologized <laughs> she, she was just feeling like I have a right to be angry that everything is so unsafe right now she was just so tense and she was because she was scared she was scared of failing she was scared that Kola would die she was scared of disappointing Emoja and all of that so after a while they put you know they paused on their journey treated Kola's bite marks from the naked knack of some of their badass powders so while she was treating it she was now talking with Kola's and she now learned of Oko's story you know like Oko is um Kola's village Oko is actually a farming village that is named after the Urishel farming the Urishel farming is Oko his father was the head of his village like Kola's father is the head of his own village so as concerning the twins, Taiwo is the older twin, but Kende is the wiser one. Taiwo is like the one who scouts. Kende now makes the decisions. Taiwo charges into things. Kende takes time to react. That kind of yin and yang relationship. So Kola asked Simi about her own home, but she couldn't remember the details. Kola assured her that, don't worry, you will, since all of it is inside of you. They shared a moment, you know, it's kind of like romantic, quiet. Simi wanted to care at him, but she remembered that she was able to say, so she stopped herself. Kola's wound soon faded to dull lines on his skin. So their butter powder is powerful. Then they continued on their journey. As they approached the village, Simi noticed some trees that had turned brown, and then the grass was dry and sharp. You know, when a grass is dry and sharp, like, Azo is ugulu. So it's dry, but so it's, and this is summer when it's raining. It's not meant to be that way. So Simi recognized the place from her vision, like the village, the environment, and then dread filled her. So they asked her to hide in the sack because obviously he's a mythical creature. They don't know what kind of response he will get. So two of the guards were Ben Mayinka. You know, when they sighted the gate, there were guards there. And this Ben and Yinka collapsed their friends. Ben was huge, a guy. Yinka is a lady, she had, but she had bowed head. And she was tall with long limbs. So within the gaze, the people were alive. And Simi tried to relax because she was just dreading. If they went out through this gate, are people dead? Are they alive? But then seeing that people were alive, she just forced herself to relax. Unfortunately, once they got to Kola's house, they found out that the twins were, that they took the, like, Esu took the twins in the night. 
Do you understand? And several guards were killed in the process. So this explained what the Yumbos felt when they felt the severing, like the Ibeju were collected. So Kola confirmed that the ceremony, confirmed the ceremony that um, confirmed the, the twins as Ibeju held because the ceremony was supposed to have held, you know, Kola was supposed to be around, but he was taken, but they still conducted the ceremony. And in that same ceremony, the Babala also bestowed protection on them. But apparently it didn't work because if they bestowed protection on them and they were collected, it means the protection didn't work, Abby. So Kola baited, he changed into new clothes, and after everybody ate at his mother's insistence, they set out for the Babalawo's place. Bem and Yinka joined them. Isa went too. This is somebody they said, Oh, yeah, lead them and then go home. You know, he's going on an adventure. So at this point, I'm going to rush through this story because it's a lot. And I've been so caught up in sharing the details actually because if you want these details read the book especially from this point going forward i'll be straight to the point from here one last thing before i continue do you mind the detailed storytelling or should i make this story shorter i just want to find out because honestly this is a fantasy story if i was telling a story set in a world it's been much shorter but i feel like this story i have to explain much of the world building there's so many mystical creatures how they come across it all those detailed adventures uh, i'm forced to just slow down and <laughs> tell the story bit by bit but i'm still even not saying a lot and yet the story is still very long so anyhow to get to the Bapalawa's place yeah, the group sailed on a raft and you know, they got halfway, then they had to walk the rest of the way. And Simi's legs were just paining her, feet were paining her. So to kind of help the pain, she, where there was earth the most, like not dry, like where there was rich earth, like sandy earth, that's where she had to walk on to help. Like sandy earth equals like small water deba. So soon they arrived at the Babalawa's place. The location was just as Imoja described, in between waters, where the sea meets rivers and all of that. So Simi went inside his dwelling to meet him first. Although she was in her human form, the Babalawa knew instantly that she was from Imoja. So Simi related her trouble and why she needed the rings. But the, Malawala, but the Babalawa said that they were gone, that just a week ago that they left him or they've been with him since. So at this point, Simi just lost all hope. She didn't know where to go from there. And she even b- barely heard the Babalawa when he said that, oh, there's another werewolf. Look at what happened here. The Babalawa gave the rings to the twins. Since as bringers of prosperity and, and health, if they had Olumudumari's rings, one each, their power would be strengthened. Because look at the thing here. When the twins were born, they caused Oko and the surrounding lands to flourish. With the rings in their possession, they would, you know, to magnify their power. So that would cause all lands to flourish. And with that, there was a chance for peace and unity like never seen before. So his intent was good. The thing here is the Babalawo actually bestowed protection on the twins. But that also protect them from the Tapa. The Tapa people that sold Kola. Not from Anorisha as powerful as Isu. You cannot even do that. Do you get? But he bound them to rings in life and death. But that's a good thing he did. He bound the twins to those rings in life and death. Nobody can remove or use those rings unless the twins permit. But then the Babalawa revealed that Esu wanted the rings to amplify all of his powers. You know, um, what's her name? Simi has been wondering, why does a being as powerful as Esu needs Babal- um, need, um, needs Oludumari's rings? If he, can, or if he already has audience with Oludumari and all of that. It's that part where the ring amplifies powers. He wanted to use the ring to amplify all his powers. So he could rival the supreme god and have no reason to serve Olodumare or obey his decrees. He wished to do whatever he wanted and break out from his rule of passing on the prayers of mankind. So that's the thing. So do you see why people pray to him? 
people pray to him so that he can beseech Olodumare on their behalf. So, but so if Esau had the rings, he will bring chaos to the whole world, and no one will be able to stop him. Because in as much as he has capacity for good, he also has capacity for much more destruction. Also, if Esau had the twins, who were the reason why the lands were so bountiful, there will be famine and death. So this one they are seeing itself is just the start. So if they don't rescue the twins, all of the lands will actually be destroyed and rot, just like in Simi's vision. So retrieve, to retrieve the twins and prevent this, they needed to journey to Esau's island. And Esau's island is a treacherous place that no one had ever been to or returned from. Luckily, the caverns on the clay wall of the Babalawo's dwelling had a record of the entire world. And Esau's island was a part of, you know, the, the caverns there. So Yinka was able to braid the map on Simi's head. It was her talent to create patterns in hair that maps, like she can braid your head and it's actually a map of somewhere. So Yinka had initially not been welcoming to Simi, but as she braided Simi's hair, the girl stalked a bit and Yinka opened up about her childhood adventures with Bem and Kola. Their parents had initially expected a romance from Yinka and Kola, but they were like siblings instead. So it was late afternoon when they finished, and once again, the Babalawa insisted they should eat some spinach stew before leaving. The way they always feeding them in this story, have you noticed? Aboye, Aboye, Abayomi fed them, and then when they also reached them, the village, they fed them. No, the Yombos fed them. They reached the village, they fed them. The Babalawa is feeding them. That's like four times. But it's actually necessary, considering the journey that these guys are about to embark on. They need all the strength and food they can get. So before they left, the Babalawa reminded them of who Esu was. Don't forget who he is. He's a trickster. He's a guardian of the crossroads of life. He's a master of language and messenger Solodumare. Do not underestimate him. So they returned to the village. And just in the short time that they went to the Babalao and came back to the village, already more fish and crops had died and villagers were getting sick. So the group just hurriedly collected water, food and the weapons they needed. Kola's father insisted that they must go with Ifedayo. Ifedayo is a guard that came from Oyo Ile, the capital, to assist with the Tapa threat. So Kola's, dad, Kola's father insisted that uh, he would feel better if Kola had the protection of Ifedayo. If Adayo had dark eyes, he was skinny, but something about him actually said, this guy is strong. And he limped. The guy actually limps. So Simi tried to see if he was familiar. She was just searching his face, but he wasn't. So Isa was sent back home. It was difficult and tearful because he wanted to come along. All the while, Simi hid that she was a mermaid from the rest. On the ship, Simi had a nightmare of Esu defeating them. And when she woke up, she entertained the idea of going off by herself to Esu, to Esu's island instead of risking the others. So it was dark and they wouldn't arrive on land for a while, but she could easily swim there. So while others were sleeping, she just dived into the deepest waters because she wanted to now ask for Lokun's help. So Olokun is the Orisha of the deep and keeper of the land of the dead. For a thousand years, Olokun hadn't seen the sun because he was imprisoned beneath the sea. The reason why Olokun was imprisoned in the first place was because he had sent gigantic swells of water to bury the land because the people didn't pay him homage, just an ego thing. Seeing this, the people prayed to Obatala, the father of all mankind, for help. So Obatala chained Olokun. I think it's Obatala. I think this is something we say in church, right? So Obatala chained Olokun to the deepest seabed where he still resided. So this is a person who Simi is going to ask for help. You can guess that this person is vengeful. You can guess that this person is going to ask Simi to pay a price that is very, like, enormous right and all of that so i would continue the story but it's like really long okay we'll just have to finish the story on monday i know i know i had no intention that this story is going to be this long but it is so long but i promise monday is when it's going to finish so please 
come back on Monday, tell someone about the story, and I will see you on Monday. Thank you so much for this time.